0: Welcome to episode 12 of Concealed Carry. A couple questions have come in recently of events that have been occurring out in the law enforcement self-defense arena that they are asking questions about, clarification. I'm going to lump it all into one answer to everything which will um, answer multiple questions along the same line of facts. Uh, First of all, The George Floyd case, uh, my opinion on that is, along with everybody else, it's pretty much unanimous across the law enforcement profession and throughout societies. um, That was an unjustified use of force. I feel that that level of force and the way that it was applied will be considered in the category of deadly force. It's not a gun, but... Anything under Wisconsin statutes, anything instrument or use of force that would result in a high probability of causing death would be classified as deadly force. I think that uh, a knee to the, the neck and breathing area um, with a person on the ground in that position that's restrained and for that amount of time nearly nine minutes uh, will be end up being classified as the same level of deadly force as if the gun would have been used on Floyd. Um, Therefore, is there justification for defensive use of deadly force? Uh, We have to look at the uh, criteria for that and um, I don't believe that was met either. The Officer Chauvin was not in imminent jeopardy or danger at the time that was applied. Uh, we had Floyd was already restrained in cuffs, on the ground in a in a safe position where he was unable to be combative or very minimally uh, a threat from that position. And the fact that you have a total of four officers there, so even in the uh, l- unlikely event that he would have been an extreme uh, exception to the rule and did become combative, which could have happened, you still have three other officers there that would a- be able to help restrain and regain control of him. Um, so there, we, we, uh, I don't believe he was in an imminent jeopardy or imminent danger, which would have been required to, to deploy a deadly force level in justified self-defense. This is the quick and short end of it. Now we fast forward over to another high profile police use of force, use of Delhi force incident in Atlanta, Georgia, where we have Rashard Brooks. Um, that was the case where Rashard Brooks was highly intoxicated, maybe high, but at least highly intoxicated. He went to a nearby Wendy's to get some chicken nuggets, and unfortunately, um, while he was in the drive-thru waiting to get his uh, his order at the pickup window, he passed out. Um, In that situation, Wendy's, because the drive-thru was obstructed and they were concerned for the safety and well-being of Rashard Brooks, called 911, and a uh, squad responded to that location where they were able to um, wake up uh, Richard Brooks determined that he was not in a medical crisis but he was under the influence of intoxicating long story short once they determined that he was intoxicated he was behind the wheel remember you don't have to be driving the vehicle you just have to be in control an operation of the vehicle to be in violation of law, which he was. And definitely I would agree that he posed a major risk of harm to the public at large by being behind the wheel of a car in that state. And he blew a sample and a PBT for the officer, along with some sobriety tests and that. And he was almost triple the legal intoxicated limit. So it was a lawful arrest. But while the officer was attempting to take him into custody, we all know the story, he struggled, uh, became combative, um, punched the officer in the face, was able to gain control and access to his taser and then began running, the officer pursued him and during the foot pursuit, Richard Brooks fired over his shoulder and kind of turned, A little bit up at the waist as he's running but he fired over his shoulder with the taser at the pursuing officer Um, and almost simultaneously the pursuing officer fired three shots from his service weapon striking Richard Brooks twice in the back Um, there's a lot of people out in the media that are misinformed, that say, well, because it was shot in the back, this automatically makes it unjustified and unnecessary. This is not true. Um, People can be shot in a book back and it can still be justified. It's not as common, it's a more rare circumstance, but if someone's shooting over their shoulder or if their back was towards you and they were shooting at other people or danger to others, Uh, putting them in imminent danger, you would be able to shoot them in the back to neutralize that threat to yourself or the others. So that can never say never, and just the fact that someone shot in the back does not mean that it is an unjustified use of deadly force. Number two, that taser, when it's in the hands of a trained police officer who's certified in proper taser deployment, It is not a deadly weapon. It is less lethal force. A taser is uh, meant to just temporarily stun somebody uh, through the use of electrical shock that's at 50,000 volts, and it will temporarily impede them, but it's not going to be putting their life at a high probability or likelihood of death. So it is not classified as deadly force in the trains of a, a, a trained officer. However, trained officers will deploy the taser, they will shoot at the torso area on a person, and the 50,000 volts that the taser deploys is gonna go across a major part of the body and um, affect major muscle groups and a central nervous system. The taser in an untrained person's hands, such as the person running from the police, could have deployed the taser to the head. He was shooting wildly over his shoulder as he's running and other officers pursuing him. If those taser uh, probes would have hit the officer in the head, 50,000 volts between the two probes to the head can be deadly. Your brain is not made to um, Withstand 50,000 volts of electricity and would not be able to do so the same as going through your chest and that 50,000 volts being absorbed through a larger part of the body mass and disturb, distributed throughout uh, more major areas of the body. Um, also, the uh, probes, which they will penetrate plywood about a half an inch uh, when the probes are fired into a piece of plywood within 20 feet. If one of those probes struck the officer in the eye, that could have very well been deadly and minimal. You would lose that eye and and vision out of at least one of those eyes, and it would probably cause some major brain damage. And there the... the um, The last portion of this incident is um, the fact that the officer could have been incapacitated even if the tasers did hit him in the chest area as the tasers intended and been incapacitated, allowing access of his sidearm to the assailant. Um, And then who knows what could happen after that the officer could have been killed? the partner who was joining in the pursuit could have been killed or other people in the public in that area um, could also been in jeopardy once this person had control of the firearm. Um, a person that's already intoxicated and a threat um, was a threat to officers and is escaping. It may be a threat to the public at large. So, there's three good foundations of why I feel that the officer was justified in the use of deadly force against that attacker um, that was armed with a taser. Even though a taser normally isn't deadly force, in that particular scenario, it had the ability to reach the level of deadly force to that officer or others in the area at that time. Was my uh, professional opinion and personal feeling is that that uh, use of Delhi force was justified and I feel that that's probably how this should play out um, after it's adjudicated in, in court by a jury once they hear all the facts. Uh, Thank you for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. Have a great week, and stay cool.